Macy, what we're going to do today, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. What we're going to do today is we are going to open up the scriptures in the book of Philippians, and we want to hear God's voice through God's word. So we're walking through the entire book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Different churches have different approaches. This is our main approach is to just go through books of the Bible. So we're a Bible teaching church where we read the Bible, explain the Bible, and then apply the Bible. So that's what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible app, uh, you can go to Philippians chapter 1. And the title of the message is this, is seeing God in your circumstances. Seeing God in your circumstances. So if you're new, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, and they're like super glued, super connected, super tight, no iPhones or anything, no FaceTimes, and he hasn't seen them like in years and years. He's in jail. They're supporting him, helping him out here. The church sent him a financial gift through Epaphroditus, and in response to the gift, he writes them this letter, thank you. It's basically a thank you note. Ends up being four chapters, and we uh, call the epistle Philippians. So Paul writing them back there has endless uh, applications to our lives today. So we're going to be looking at these uh, verses here, Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 through 14. We're going to be reading the scripture. So if you are able to stand to your feet, you're invited to stand to your feet. And we're going to read out loud and fill God's house with God's word. So I'm counting on you to fill the house with his word, okay? So here it is, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. This is the word of the Lord, and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures, stands, lives forever. And so let's pray. Father, thank you that we're here. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we can uh, send out young people uh, like we're doing. Uh, we pray your blessing over them. We pray your blessing over Sarah Willard, uh, over Josh Sternard, and the Sepulvedas, and John Michael. And Lord, we pray your, your continued blessing over them uh, to make them an influence and a blessing in whatever that they do. And serving you, I pray for Sarah, you'd sustain her, help her, refresh her, renew her, build her up. May she glorify you and may you be delighted in her. And as we turn to your word, I pray that you would speak to us. May we experience its transformative power in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying. And so we're going to look at this, seeing God in your circumstances. So we're going to do two things this morning. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to finish Paul's prayer. Paul's writing the church, and he's writing a prayer. We talked about that last week. You can look at it online. All messages are for free forever. We concluded in verse 6, so we're going to look at verses 7 through 11, finishing Paul's prayer. Then we're going to stop, we're going to pivot, and then we're going to unpack the message about seeing God in your circumstances. How many people here would agree with me that you've had somebody in your life here that made circumstances very hard for you. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a coach, talking about a teacher, talking about a stepmom, 
a complete stranger, maybe a coworker, uh, maybe it was a direct report, a boss. And it seemed like their goal in life was just to make your life miserable. And they said things and they did things unprovoked by you that left you wounded, hurt, discouraged, maybe even devastated there. For no apparent reason, they neglected you, they overlooked you, maybe you felt forgotten there or mistreated. And so when you're dealing with all of that, how you've been treated unfairly and like you didn't do anything to precipitate that, and maybe they said they had your back, but then they stabbed you and you, and you had to deal with them. And you're asking the question, where is God in my circumstances? So we're going to see in the passage today how Paul was mistreated. You could say brutally mistreated here. I want to see God's hand in his life, how God worked within him. So now at this point in the letter, we've given some introductory thoughts. And last week we looked at how Paul talked about our identity in Christ. And then he talked about our community that we have in Christ. And lastly, our security. Now Paul is praying and he says, hey, I've been thinking about you. And I've been praying for you. And so we're going to, again, we're going to do these two things, the prayer and then the message here about seeing God in your circumstances. So we begin in verse 7, and we get a glimpse into the heart of the great apostle Paul, who had this immense intellect, uh, perhaps the greatest uh, theological mind ever in history, but yet coupled with that, had this huge heart for God and his people. So what can we learn from the man in prison some vital lessons of seeing God in our circumstances, verse 7. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart, and you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Paul says, I long for you. I yearn for you in my heart. Paul has like some serious affection going on here. And it's a present tense, which is an ongoing care, concern, love for the church here. Though he's been in prison for two years now, he said, two years, he says, I am continually in my heart longing and yearning for you. What I love about this here is this is a picture of how it should be in a church, the dynamic that the leaders love the church. And so, and the church actually loves them here. So you have this great dynamic and warm affection that they're experienced here. And I think everybody has it in your heart that you want to love and be loved. You want to know and be known here. And church is a community where God has designed that should happen. Paul goes on and he says, you want to look at this, it's right. It's right that I should feel this way about you. And so why is that here? Well, his heart, it's like every fiber of his heart is attached to them. And he's pouring out like wave after wave, oceans of love and affection on the people. I feel this way about you. In other words, I have such deep feelings, like they're almost uncontainable. In my heart here, when I think of you, my heart has palpitations, like I, my heart beats a little faster. My breath is a little shorter. And Paul says, woven into the depths of my being, uh, of who I am, is that I love you, Church of Philippi, and you're a part of me, and I'm holding you in my heart. I wonder if you have anybody like that in your life, that just so deep in your heart that you think about them. Maybe they're not alive, but you think about them like this, and you feel that way about them. So Paul says, 
God is my witness here. Before God knows, before an audience of one, God knows how much I love you. So what a remarkable heart for people here. And this is a God-only, Spirit-inspired, God gave this to him through his Spirit. The Bible says that the love of God in Romans 5, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given to us. It can't be humanly manufactured here or dispensed. So Paul then, after telling them, hey, this is how much I love you. And I was going to say, hey, I want to talk to you about you. I want to talk to you about your love for one another. Verse 9. And I pray, I've been talking to the Lord about you, that your love would overflow or abound or superabound more and more. Keep on growing in knowledge and discernment or understanding. Paul's saying, look, here's what I want for you. I want you, I want you to, to be more loving toward one another. So certainly this is how uh, we want to be praying, that we would be filled with the love of God here. And it literally means to overflowing. It says, I pray your love would abound still more and more. In other words, not slowing down to like this little tiny trickle of love. Is it even there? Can you even to see it? Is it even discern, discernible? But no, he's saying, look, I want the stream to turn into a river, the river to turn into uh, like wave upon wave. I want to see God's love in you. I want to see it expanding, growing, enlarging. That's what I want to see. And so let me say all that to say this. I want to affirm you because I see genuinely, I see God's love in you. And I see God's love toward one another here. And so when I think of you, honestly, when I think of you, um, I can't say that it is, mirrors Paul, but I will say this, that my love abounds for you. Really, really does. My love abounds for you. When I'm not here, visit great churches, I'm thinking about you. And that I miss not being with you. And so, so I feel this. So I say, look, your love abounds toward one another. It's like, look at an empty cup and there's nothing in the cup. And God is like the one that's pouring the water of his love into the cup. And the cup is filling the water and it's filling up and filling up. And then it begins to overflow off the sides and spill. He's saying, that's one of the dynamic that I want to see with you. And so the, the Bible says we love him because what? He first loved us, right? So again, Romans chapter five, the love of God is poured out, shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to you here. So God's agape love then is imparted to us. God is the source of this love. And so Paul's praying for a greater expression of that. Now, I've never shared this before today, what I'm about to tell you about God's love. But as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to share with everybody. And so I'm letting you into my life here. And for years, I've been praying a prayer. And here's the prayer. I'll get up in the morning and I'll just say, Lord, and then I'll pray what I'm going to say. I say, Lord, would you fill me with your love? And would you direct it according to your will? Whoever you want to have the love, you just direct it. But first of all, you've got to be filled with God's love. But it's not just, well, what do I do with the love? No, you direct it then according to God's will. It's a great prayer to pray, and I pray that all of you would pray that, and I feel like it's for, for all of us. Now, he continues his prayer, verse 10, if you want to look up uh, on the screens here. It says, for I want you to understand what really matters. Oh, how important is that? How important is that to understand in life, to have a perspective? The man from prison writes, you know, you need to know 
what really matters in life so that you would live, and here it is, you live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. In other words, that you would have some discernment okay, about this, that you'd make wise choices, and how do you pursue what really matters? Well, you gotta get clarity on what really matters to pursue it. You gotta give your time and your energy. You have to have a mind that wants it, that is bigger than your moods, that don't necessarily want it here. Another translation reads that you would be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. It says that you would lead, watch, blameless lives. Well, what does that mean? Because a lot of times we think, well, I'm not causing anybody, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sinning against anybody. So what it's talking about? It's talking about you don't do anything to stumble them. Because you can do things with your life that stumble others, and it's not a matter of sin, but you are stumbling them. A little more on that in just a moment. But he says that you may be sincere, you may be sincere. It has the idea, this is so important, that you're able to withstand sunshine. The root meaning of the idea is of sunlight, that you are to be judged by the sun. Remember, he's talking to people about this. You are to be judged by the sun. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's against the backdrop of the culture where they had all these statues and pottery and all that. And so the ceramist there, uh, or the, the, art, the artist, would be working along, and all of a sudden they cracked the plate, and so they would fill it in. And they would fill it in with wax mixed with marble, and then you take it home and you think like, awesome, I bought this beautiful statue. Then the ear falls off. You know, where the sun falls, it cannot withstand the test of the sun. So they would give then a, a document, sinceri, which meant it was sincere or it was real. Don't buy anything that doesn't have that sinceri, a document of sincerity, because it's fake, it's phony, and it's not going to last. So he says here, now live lives this way, take inventory, look at your life, and what are you covering up? Where are the areas of your life where, oh yeah, it's going to require a little wax right there. I don't want anybody to find out about that. So I'm going to cover up that little wax of hypocrisy with some wax. I'm going to cover up the wax of churchianity, the wax of religious activity. I want to look good in front of everybody there. So he says, to be sincere is no covering up. Like you've got nothing to cover up. It means there's no cracks you're trying to hide how we can hide in our lives. It means a genuine wholeness. I was talking with a friend of mine. I said, hey, you go move to Texas. I said, hey, tell me about the church in Texas. How's the church in Texas doing? And he said, Ron, everybody goes to church on Sunday. And everybody, and this is, and they live like hell on Monday. That's how they, little too quiet in our response there, friends. I'm not pointing the finger. I was saying that was in Texas, not California. So no cracks between what we say and how we live and what we post online. I think it was a country bumpkin must have said this. Be who you is. Because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Be who you is. Because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Okay, uh, we'll move on. Verse 11. May you, his prayer, may you always be filled. 
present participle, always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, that is the righteous character produced in you by the life of Christ. Speaking about the ongoing, your lifestyle there and its reflection here should have fruit in it. In other words, by Jesus Christ, you're filled with the fruits of righteousness. God's spirit daily working within you. And you realize the fruit of knowing God, being in a right relationship with God, is there will be fruit in your life. Jesus said this, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So it says here, Paul's prayer is now done. Paul's going to pivot. He's going to change direction. But we're done with the prayer. Now we're going to talk about you, and we're going to give you his perspective and three reasons why you want to see God in your circumstances. Paul has these startling words. Do you want to look at the screen of verse 12? Remember, he's in prison. They all know he's in prison. He says, look, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, because you don't know this and you don't understand this. And you need a paradigm shift about my circumstances because, look, everything that's happened here has happened to spread the good news. Now, if it's me in prison and I'm writing these words, I would be brief and I would be to the point, get me out of here. Anybody else joining me? Get me out of here? Okay. How many people want to stay in prison? Anybody want to stay in prison? No. Okay, so, but how many people you want to reprieve? You want to, Paul saying, hey, you need to know. God had a better plan. My plan A was to be traveling, but God had, out in evangelizing, God had a better plan. God had a better plan than I ever had. In prison was God's plan A. And we think that, no, prison is God's plan B. And you look at your circumstances, often you think, no, God, you argue with God, this is plan B. And Paul says, no, you understand. I want you to know this is plan A. The whole deal, the whole prisoner thing, I want you to know, being chained to a soldier, waiting to hear if I'm going to live or die, not knowing my future. I love this here. Paul's saying, everything that's happened to me. Yeah, the shipwreck. Yeah, the shipwreck. The snake bites. Getting lied about. Acts 21, the angry mob wanting to kill me. Everything has worked out for the advancement of the gospel here. Now, with a life like Paul had, very easy, and many people have an attitude of a victim mentality. Ah, get me out of here. Man, this isn't right, right? And it's a perfect cocktail of circumstances to produce bitterness and to be jaded and to feel entitled that I can just have a constant pity party. But Paul writes back and says, hey, 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 whoa, wait a second here. Wait, 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 wait. This jail stand is actually working out for the good. And Paul is under house arrest here. and He's being held hostage. And he, and he could have been focused on his innocence. I'm innocent. I didn't, I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not, not a criminal. God, are you, do, you, do you love me? Do you care about me? You've forgotten me? And he could have been full of, of complaining. He could have said, oh, you know, I got all these, I'm stuck to these guards for two years. No, I, I want you to know. He says, God has been clearly working in my life. I recognize my circumstances, my change. This is a God ordained situation here, circumstance. So number one, 
You want to see God in your circumstances. Why? Because God is in control. Changes everything if you will realize that. God is in control. Paul said, my chains are in Christ. My life is hid with God in Christ. In other words, my circumstances, the chain of my circumstances are in Christ. Like this is a God thing that I'm dealing with here. So my circumstantial chains are because of him. And so I want you to know, my time in prison, it didn't cause the gospel to hit the pause button or to stumble. It is fast forwarding. It's advancing. So he says, I want you to know. He said, are you kidding me? He said, my circumstances are not a constraint. How often we look at our circumstances, we feel hemmed in and trapped. Like, I'm trapped in my circumstances. And he goes, no, not a constraint. It's a catalyst for the gospel. See, prison to the, to the outside onlooker looked like, oh, look at Paul. Man, that's a big setback. Paul's, no, I want you to know, not a setback. It served as a springboard for the gospel. Prison is a launching pad for the gospel. Prison is advancing the good news here. So how did God use prison for advancing the message of Christ? Verse 13, here's how. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows I'm in chains because of Christ. My imprisonment is well known. My imprisonment is giving me a new audience, captive audience, massive audience here for the gospel. That would never have been the case otherwise because you could never get in front of the palace guard. So Paul now, you got to see this. He's locked down, house arrest, rotating, chained soldiers, three to four a day. But the Praetorian guard, who, who, who's that? The imperial guard or the palace guard, they are powerful. They're influential. They're highly respected. They are Caesar's personal bodyguards. This is the dream list of how to reach a city. So you could not have picked a more influential group of people than these imperial guards here. These are the ones then that chose the next emperor. These are the ones then where Paul has gained like a passport into proximity with the Praetorian Guard. They are elite. So I have a question for you. What do you think that Paul talked about when he was with the elite Praetorian Guard? Think he talked about CNN News? Or do you think he talked about Jesus? Yeah, so my guess is that it was Jesus. So uh, what we realize here is that God is in absolute control and you want to see God in your circumstance because not only is he in control, but you're going to see this, our chains are two-sided. You see, I see naturally the worst side, the negative side. We fail to see the God side. So I want to unpack that for us because one side of our chains is, oh, I'm a victim. Woe is me. Poor me. Bummer. I'm chained to this Roman guard here. Paul is like, I'll have nothing of the sort. Paul's like, he said, look, he's not seeing this as negative, but an overwhelming, unspeakable privilege of the positive. So Paul has seen God's plan through his circumstances. How is that? He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, like this is big time news. This is giving great attention to the gospel. Paul's fame is going crazy here. He says, the whole palace guard, watch. Praetorian guards, 
the most powerful, influential uh, people group in ancient Rome. Okay, they, had, they infiltrated the highest levels of government in the Roman Empire. So Paul then's on a mission. God says, I need to reach the Praetorian Guard, of which there was 9,000 of them. Paul would be able to interface with between, if you do the math, two to 3,000 of them. And so they're like the Navy SEALs, the special forces of the Roman Empire. They became the Roman Senate after they graduated from the Praetorian Guard. They were the kingmakers of Rome. They chose the emperors. You get the point here. So Paul is connecting with the Roman guard and has this incredible, once-in-a-lifetime, kingdom-advancing opportunity. Every six hours, a new audience here. So Paul says, I'm in chains. Put this up here. I'm in chains. So that's the Greek word that is used right there. It is a very short chain. It's basically like handcuffs. It's basically this right here. So Paul doesn't have this five foot, 10 foot long chain. So what you have now, watch, you have the Praetorian guard like this, and you have Paul like this. How many people know that they're going to hear Paul when he's praying? How many people know that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is dictating the scriptures they're sitting there hearing him. It's inescapable. There's nothing that they can do. So you have to see this, watch, that this is the brilliant plan of God. Paul is handcuffed there with a short chain, about 18 inches, placed over the wrist of the prisoner and over the praetorian guard there, locked in close proximity. Escape is impossible. Uh, privacy is impossible. And now the door of the gospel has been opened to the most powerful and influential king-making Praetorian guard. What an opportunity that God gave Paul for two years to take the guards who, they're far from God. They're far from God. And he's going to talk to them about Jesus because now they're captive, 18-inch captive, about 30 a week, 100 a month, at least a 1,000 a year, captive audience, six hours. So now, one-on-one, -on -one, evangelism one-on-one -on -one with the elite. Think about it. Makes me want to jump up and just, I just want to jump around and, you know what I want to do? Like, it's so dang awesome, I just want to high-five everybody. Come on, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just feeling it. I'm just going to do it right now. Okay, there it is, all right? Okay, there it is. Feels good. All right, but come on, somebody, look at this is, the, this is the amazing plan of God. So you need to see how God is, is working through your, your circumstances here because if you get it, it'll change your view of life. Because what, you, what you're looking at and what we would have thought if we were there, we said, oh, that, what, what an obstacle. What a bummer, Paul's in prison. Paul's like, wait a second, you need to know, it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Uh, we would think like, oh man, what a, what a bummer, Paul. It's so, so awful going to prison. Paul's like, what? Actually, it's an act of Almighty God, the awesome opening of, the, of opportunity to me. And so Paul now, because of his prisonment, imagine this is what's happening. Here is the prisoner, and here is Paul. Okay, then I'm going to take these off. So here's the prisoner, here's Paul. And they, they come, there he is in house arrest. He sees a guy coming up, hey, dude, how are you? My name's Paul. 
Hey, good to meet you, Marcus. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. So, uh, hey, can I tell you a story, Marcus? You got, you got any time? I got nothing but time, Paul. I got six hours, and uh, we're, we're locked together, close proximity. Hey, man, I, I, you just need to know, I, I used to be a bad dude. I was really a bad dude. I was like a terrorist. Like, bro, like I used to kill like Christians. That's who I was. And now I'm like in prison for being a Christian. And so he says, like, Marcus, Marcus, you know, you ever heard about Jesus? Like, I, think, I, think, I think I may have heard about him. Let me tell you about Jesus, Marcus. Where do you stand with God? Hey, Marcus, let me, let me tell you the story. And then he finishes with Marcus after six hours. The next guy comes in. Hey, I'm the Apostle Paul. Who are you? I'm Philip. Philip, good to meet you, you know. So, Philip, can I tell you my story? I was this really bad dude. And I'm the Damascus Road. And you get the point? Captive audience in the thousands over two years. I want you to know my circumstances were not like you think. They worked for the advancement of the gospel. And so Paul now used his prison circumstances, not as setbacks, but as a springing forward there. And so see, if you get the right perspective, you see that your, your obstacles, hmm, there's two sides, two sides of your circumstance. It could just be an opportunity. So God will use your imprisoning circumstances which things that seem to hold you down and hold you back. Because even Paul is in chains, but the gospel was not. God's purpose is not imprisoned. And see, and you can look at your circumstances, and you can say, crumb. Ah. And you can think like, this is a constraint, Paul says. But I want you to know it's not a constraint. It's a catalyst. So when life doesn't go your way, you need to see your circumstances through God's sovereignty. There are two sides to every chain. And the obvious question is this, what are you chained with that you can't get away from? Oh, I want to lean into us here. What situation are you like, I just want to be done with this situation here. I'm so over this job. Uh, I'm so over counting the minutes here. The ball and chain of your work life is it, a, is it a desk that you're chained to? Is it a relationship that you're chained to? Uh, Stay-at-home moms? Is it feeling chained to the house and the kids and can't get away? Are you a student in a classroom uh, uh, filled with maybe students that are hostile? Uh, are you on a team where maybe the coach uh, is difficult to deal with and just maybe not playing you or uh, making your life miserable and treating you unfair? And you want to get out of the situation? Maybe it's come to mistreatment that can even be like, like abuse. See, but let's wrap it up with verse 14. And because, watch this. This is really important, so don't miss this. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, that they're gaining confidence, and they're boldly speaking God's message without fear. Boldly speaks means, in the original language, it's conversations. Now they're having conversations with people. They're being emboldened. Well, they can have conversations uh, maybe at the coffee shop or the hospital or the restaurant. They can talk about Jesus a little more here. So what I want us to see here is that uh, when you see God in your circumstances, you recognize God is in control. There's two sides to every circumstance, every chain. And number three, chains are contagious. Paul's example 
lit a fire in the church. His impact revolutionized the whole church. His courage, his example is rubbing off on the whole church. It's being transformative. So people begin to see uh, the way that Paul faced uh, his persecution, and it, stirred, it fired them up. Like, hey, like if that guy can do it in jail, we that are free can do it too. And so they're being emboldened to like share the good news here. And watch, when you're mistreated, how you, res- how you respond, uh, when you respond the way God wants you to respond, watch, it's not just for you. You think it's just for you. It's not just for you. Watch, your chains can be contagious and for a broader audience, for the people all around you. Oh, what you may be going through, they may need to, to, to see your story and how you're handling it. And so what appeared to be the darkest moment in Paul's life ends up to be shining as the brightest. Yeah, you think this, this is bad? I want you to know that God is working in my circumstances. So God is in control. Chains are two-sided. And chains are contagious. And this is the word of the Lord. And so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. Thank you that you've sent it to us. Pray that you would seal your truth in our hearts. And this I pray, and my prayer for you is like the saying that your love would abound more and more, that you would be sincere and blameless without wax and not causing others to stumble until the day of Christ, that you'd be filled with the fruit of God in Christ living in you, that you would be sincere. Who needs to let go of some wax? Our love abound more and more, blameless until the day of Christ. And Father, teach us to see our circumstances as you do. You are still in control. That there's another side of the chain, and those chains can be contagious. Pray, Father, that you would do this and more. If you're here and you need Christ in your life, we end this time with an invitation for anyone who wants to give their lives to Christ, anyone who wants to be forgiven, because God loves you and he wants you to believe in him. Jesus said, believe in me. I want you to believe in me. And you can be saved and respond to his love. God the Son came here for you. And you may need Jesus. You may need a church home. This could be your home. So that's you. Pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I want to take you as my Savior. I want to place my faith in you. I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to ask you, Lord, to come into my life. I want to be in right relationship. I'm giving you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive your forgiveness, the free gift of Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.